and they made it a custom for their widows to hand over everything on their deaths to the Knights Templars Association. It was a form, it was a sort of microcosm of a world government running commerce, industry, and warfare at the same time. But nothing's really, really changed. And there's an article I'm going to read shortly from the United Nations because this is a follow-up to this financial situation as the banks merge and go under. As I say, it was planned this way. I talked about this years ago. I'll be back with more after this break. Because they panic 
They believe the media. They don't know anything else except what the media tells them. It never occurs to them to study the histories of the big organizations that are coming forward with all their suggestions. They don't study the United Nations or even the banking system. The banking system is fraudulent, of course, because it's backed on money is backed with nothing. It's an obligations-type deal, an IOU. They pass IOUs all around the world. It's a debt system. So you have paper money backed with nothing. Guaranteed that when they want to pull the plug, it is a domino effect. Nothing but faith keeps it going. And they could keep this going as long as they wanted to, believe you me, for another 100 years if they wanted to. The reason it's changing now is to train the public into a new way of living and a new form of commerce eventually will come out of it in the long run. It might take years, but in the long run, it's a new form of commerce and living into a new society. This is from the Breitbart.com. That's B-R-E-I-T-B-A-R-T.com website. It says, United Nations Chief Calls for Global Leadership, September the 23rd. UN Chief Ban Ki-moon on Tuesday stressed the need for global leadership as he pressed world leaders not to pursue narrow national interests in the face of hard economic times. He says, I see a danger of nations looking more inward rather than outward towards a shared future, he said at the opening of the UN General Assembly's annual debate. He spoke of a challenge of global leadership to tackle the world's worsening financial, energy, and food crisis. Now, remember, too, the deal was for the Department of Agriculture at the United Nations was that they eventually will be the ones who distribute the world's food to each nation. And the purpose would be not only for control over those countries, but the purpose would be that each country would have to keep its population in check. It would get a set quota of food. And if you went over that population figure, tough cheese for you, you'd have to reduce your population because you won't get more food. It's to be a big stick. So financial, energy, and food crisis, he said, these are all the areas in which they're involved at the United Nations. He said, we see new centers of power and leadership in Asia, Latin America, and across the newly developed world, Ban told more than 120 heads of state or government, including Presidents George Bush of the United States and Nicolas Sarkozy of France. In this new world, this new world, he says, our challenges are increasingly those of collaboration rather than concentration, he said. Nations can no longer protect their interests or advance the well-being of their people without the partnership of the rest. You see, we're in a, a global partnership. We're all interdependent, completely tied together. On the world's current financial crisis, the UN Secretary General stressed the need to restore order to the international financial markets. We need a new understanding on business ethics and governance. They call it governance at the United Nations because they don't believe there's any governments. And they're quite correct in that. With more compassion and less uncritical faith in the magic of markets, the UN boss said. Ban, who has chosen implementation of key poverty reduction goals as a major theme of this year's debate, said he saw a danger of retreating from the progress we have made, particularly in the realm of development, and more equitably sharing the fruits of global growth. I wonder who's sharing the fruits of global growth. It says, global growth has raised billions of people out of poverty. However, if you are among the world's poor, you have never felt poverty so sharply. 
And so he goes on and on about helping Africa and the usual stuff that they all have been helping Africa for 500 years as they plunder it. But later on in the, the, the talk, he actually talks about this new this new system they want to bring in, a new system and a new way of doing trade and banking and all the rest of it. That's really what all of this is about. And the people, as I say, have no idea how things really are in the real world. They think it's all just happening by chance. This ties in with this. You see, you'll hear a lot of people from big foundations, big organizations coming forth and calling for the same solutions. Uh, this article here is from Jeffrey Garton. He's a member of the Council on Foreign Affairs, a member of the, foreign, uh, the former policy planner for Henry Kissinger, and former, former managing director of Lehman Brothers, the former manager of Lehman Brothers. I guess he got out before it went down. He says, we need a new global monetary authority. It's by the Financial Times, it's September the 25th, 2008. He says, even if the U.S.'s massive financial rescue operation succeeds, which, of course, I'm not going to do it right now. They're playing it like a big drama, and we're all supposed to really shake and be fearful. He says, it should be followed by something even more far-reaching, the establishment of a global monetary authority to oversee markets that have become borderless. There's your, there's your whole deal, you see. Most people don't realize that each nation is based on an economic policy. The policy serves those who rule that country, the, the dominant minority. Therefore, all your laws, civic, criminal, and so on, all revolve around your economic structures. If you don't have a border anymore and no nation and you're international, you have to have this global monetary authority. And out of that will come the brand new culture and all the rest of it and the laws. He goes on to say, Washington recognizes that the crisis has become global. My God, they're quick. Hank Paulson, Secretary, Treasury Secretary, has said that foreign banks operating in the U.S. will be eligible for federal assistance and is urging other nations to fashion their own bailout programs. Central banks have also been synchronizing injections of funds into markets. These should be, there should be more steps to a more comprehensive international response designed not just to extinguish the current fires, but to re rebuild and maintain the capital markets for the longer term. He says the current global institutional apparatus is woefully incapable of overseeing the financial system that is evolving. It's evolving. You see, it's changing. The International Monetary Fund is irrelevant to this crisis. The group of seven leading industrial countries lacks legitimacy in a world where China, Brazil, and others are big players, and the Bank for International Settlement has no operational role. The U.S. Federal Reserve is too besieged to act as a global central bank. The vacuum at the center is very dangerous for everyone. The U.S. is dependent on massive inflows of foreign capital, roughly $3 billion a day, will surely increase now as Uncle Sam acquires $1,000 billion, 1, billion in new obligations from current bailouts. For years to come, Wall Street and Washington will be unable to manage without strong cooperation from other markets. Now, I told people years ago, and I've repeated many times since, that as the U.S. finishes off its job in the Middle East, they'll be pulling the carpet, the rug from under your feet back home. And you're watching all of this happen. You're living through it. And how do I know this? Is it because I have a crystal ball? It's because, no, I read their books. I read the books of the big boys, and they tell you what they're bringing in. And then you have to use your own common sense. 
and say, well, how could they make this possible? How could they bring this? And sometimes in their own books they'll tell you. They'll suggest things that might usher in the new system. And part of that, of course, is bringing down the banking system, terrifying the public, getting to your knees, and then coming out with a solution. And as you lose your shirt, you'll breathe a sigh of relief and say, thanks for helping us. Take my shoes too. That's how it works, you see. That's how people are in these these particular systems, all the ordinary people. Because in reality, you have no power in the system. It's not your system. And I'll be back with more from this particular article from the Financial Times after this break. I'm Alan Watt, talking about this banking system, the one that is and is going and the one that's coming in, and how it's been done, because the big foundations are in the Act, the Council Foreign Relations is in the Act, the Royal Institute of International Affairs is in the Act, they're all in on this Act to bring in a new system as part of a phase to change the world, and of course they must do it in many different ways, many spheres of life, but must definitely do it economically as well. And they've tied us up together. We're so tightly woven, we're interdependent, as they call it. One country goes down, the others follow like dominoes. And that's supposed to be a good thing. But if you are, if you're looking at it from the other side of the mirror, from the guys who control the planet, it is a good thing. Then they own the whole world. It's all about ownership, really. That's what it's about. And the world is owned by very, very rich people, not too many of them, but incredibly rich people who know the con games of money since their ancestors developed it and invented it. They understand how to crash economies, and, on, and they also understand how to keep the con going as long as they, they want to. So it's now time to change the system, and they're going ahead with it, making the people fearful. That's got to be done so that we will beg them for a solution after we've had enough, and then they always give us the new solution that's not as great as the last one, but it's a bit better than nothing, and then they go along with it. They plunder us, as I say, at least once every hundred years. They'll let you build up equity and real property, and then they steal it from you. That's how it happens. Nothing disappears. It just moves into fewer and fewer hands. This article here that I'm reading also goes on to say globalization will also create a clash of philosophies. Most governments and investors outside the U.S. never shared the American system of cowboy capitalism. Now they have good reason to demand that some fundamental changes be made in the way the U.S. manages its financial institutions. This can happen with a conscious negotiation or negotiated modification in the U.S. financial model where it could result from foreign investors shifting their funds elsewhere. All of these considerations point to the eventual need for a new global monetary authority. When you hear this said over and over and over, global monetary authorities like weapons of mass destruction until we get it. And they say we've got to hear this at least eight times in marketing before we start parroting it ourselves. It would set the tone for capital markets in a way that would not be viscerally opposed to a strong public oversight function with rules for intervention and would return to capital formation the goal of economic growth and development rather than trading for its own sake. 
to trading for its own sake has kind of gone out of the picture now. The GMA would be a reinsurer or discounter for certain obligations held by central banks. It would scrutinize the regular activities of national authorities with more teeth than the IMF has and oversee the implementation of a limited number of global regulations. It would monitor global risks and establish an effective early warning system with more clout to sound alarms than the BIS had. Now, that also means, too, that they're going to oversee all business. That's a big part of it. If you go back into their books, uh, even with those with H.G. Wells, who was a propagandist for this group that spearheaded the globalization system, Wells said that the world was just too untidy with people uh, leaving school and trying to make their way uh, for themselves in a selfish manner. They wanted to bring in a world of service, and he said that eventually they'll bring in an organized, ordered world, an ordered world where you couldn't just start a business up uh, out of your thin air from your own idea, your own head. It has to be given and told what to start up if you were going to be allowed to start up anything, and it would eventually cut down all competition. Competition is to be eliminated eventually in the long run. So once again, the big international corporations will flourish and everyone else goes down the tubes. That's always been the agenda. And if you look at the countries of Europe, and especially Britain, from the days of, even before Margaret Thatcher, but onwards definitely, they put most of the small businesses out and under because three quarters of their day was spent filling in forms for government. So much red tape, it really put them out and put them under. The big international corporations sailed through because they have banks of lawyers to deal with all of the government regulations, and they also don't have to pay taxes for maybe 20 years, if ever at all. So that's the reality of the world. It's a very different world than the one that's portrayed to us, and we do want to feel safe and secure. We want to believe the media version of things, but it's all bogus. It's not the real world at all. And you have to look into all the agreements, especially all the treaties that have been signed by your countries over the last 50, at least 50 years. You've got to look into them. You've got to look into how the United Europe, how long it took them from 1948 onwards into the 90s before they admitted, once it was all completed, that it was done in secrecy and that the public were not to be told until it was over and done and completely up and running. That's how democracy really works. You've got to look at the writings of Hitler, who wanted a united Europe, and the writings of Winston Churchill and his personal secretary, Princes of Power. And in there, Winston Churchill also wanted a united Europe. He said, our long dream of a united Europe will come out of this war. It's the best thing that ever happened. Uh, a very different world from the one that we are taught in school. Very, very different indeed. And it's on a, a roller coaster. And you think about that, I was thinking about that today, this roller coaster of what appears to be bizarroness, called bizarroness, as they spend money like it, 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 it's coming out of fountains for wars while they're sinking back home. I'll be back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth.
I'm Alan Watt, and I've been discussing some of the, the new banking system that's coming in, this new authority that they want to bring in, a global authority, which truly is the end of nationalism. It's just another nail in the coffin to make sure we get the message. And most of the public will breathe a sigh of relief when a, bring, a new system is brought in. Then they'll go back to play for a while as they start to lose more and more freedoms and rights. And one day they'll wake up with no food and probably no home. And then they'll riot. And that's what the Department of Defense and the U.S. military's own uh, documentation have stated that there's going to be 30 to 40 years of rioting taking place. This don't tell you why, but Joe and Jane Average that likes to play uh, will dismiss that out of hand and say that will never happen, as they will with everything else that ever happens in their lifetime. Complete denial. And look at the money. Is this, all this going on as the banks uh, supposedly merge and go down all the rest of it? As all this is going on, the U.S. is spending billions just about every day or two with orders for new equipment and new technology and all the rest of it. It's just astounding to watch. that They're not worried. They don't seem to be worried about lack of funds. And I was looking at an article the other day there on these new miniature MAVs, they call them. It's little flying robots that they say are going to take off very shortly. And it's for urban warfare. It's for monitoring the urban landscape. Because you know yourself, obviously everything has to be terrorism from now on. Once there are no more countries, no more nations to fight, there'll have to be terrorism to fight, which will be everywhere. And from their point of view, they're quite correct, because the general population have had war declared on them for a long time. They just didn't know it. So if you still hold old-fashioned values and old ideas about rights and so on, then you're technically are a terrorist because the new system coming in does not believe that the average person is supposed to have rights. You're supposed to serve the world state. Be a servant to it. It's a nice term for a slave, really. And eventually, after all the, 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 the banks go under, not just this time, but in the time to come too, maybe in another four or five years as we get used to them going, they'll bring in a credit system, a new credit system, as Bertrand Russell stated, and you have the government dishing out credits to every individual if you're well-behaved. If you're not well-behaved and you're anti-social, then they will simply withhold your credits and you can't pay your rent. And in the new system, remember, there should be no private property. And think about that when you watch all these people losing their homes, not just in the, Amer the U.S. and Canada, but across Europe as well and everywhere else. They're collapsing the housing markets everywhere. Part of the agenda, it's amazing how everything that happens, as I say, just amazing how it always falls in line with the, the written and published agenda. It's astonishing. Utterly astonishing. It really is. Coincidence after coincidence. Now, this morning, I watched them start to spray the skies. The, the day started off as actually sunny with, with a kind of blue color there that I vaguely remember from years gone by. And then they started spraying, and then the mush came overhead as they built these into this, this undefined horizon-to-horizon -horizon cloud. And then you can actually feel, after a few hours, almost a wheeze coming on, because this stuff's coming down to the ground. 
And I've also stated that this stuff is reaching saturation point in the ground, in the earth itself. And a few years ago I mentioned that the birds were declining. I told you you must use your own observations. Don't wait for the media or press to tell you, because they'll tell you something eventually with a spit on it. And sure enough, the birds are declining. You don't hear the, the big chorus of birds at dawn. You don't hear the chorus of birds uh, at sundown as they all settle in for the night. You just don't hear that anymore. You're lucky to see a bird. I can walk through the forest here, and it's pretty quiet, maybe one or two birds on the whole journey. And they're killing them off. I've also got moles, ground moles, coming up out of the ground frequently now and dying. Now, this stuff goes into the soil with the rain, with the dew as well. It brings it right down to the, to the ground level itself. So this mole is living in a highly toxic environment, more condensed form of the, of the chemicals in the spray than, than we're getting, perhaps, and is killing them off. So birds and moles and other things, too, are dying. Well, here's the media spin. Now they've actually admitted the birds are declining. That's quite funny, really, the way they spin it. They always spin it to blame the public. And this is from the BBC News. It's a science and environmental reporter, Mark Kinver, it's called. Monday, 22nd of September, 2008. World's common birds declining. The population of the world's common birds are declining as a result of continued habitat loss. See, right off, they give you the reason, a reason for it. See, that sounds plausible because we've been conditioned to believe this is true. I live in the forests here. There's, there's lots of, there's thousands of miles of forests up this way. Thousands. If I go north, it's even more. And very few people. But they're putting it down to habitat loss. Well, if it's a loss somewhere, say in the Amazon, it's not affecting me up here or the birds up here. So why are the birds up here dying? It's because of the spray. Because of the spray. It says a global assessment has warned. The survey by BirdLife International found that 45% of Europe's common birds had seen numbers fall. That's had more than 80% of Australia's wading species. Then they go on to try and rationalize and justify uh, why it's happening, but global warming and human habitat uh, destruction and all the rest of it. But they don't mention the spraying. The spraying, the common denominator to everything that's happening. It's a public are to blame, and we're supposed to get that message and really, really believe it. And it will kill more. Mind you, it's got to kill the public off as well. It's got to do that as well. They are dying uh, with massive bronchial problems and various other defects. So that's that part there. Now, here's another thing, too, that gets me. is how we're always treated like, like children. But 1998 or 1999, the Canadian cops, the police across Canada, suddenly, suddenly, mind you, uh, came out on the streets parading around in these new combat fatigues. There were the black ones with their, with their pants tucked into combat boots and little baseball caps on kind of like the Nazis used to do, black shirts and black ties, very ominous, because black is the color of the executioner, you see. And it's a psychological thing, which they understand very well. And then I found a little article in the local paper saying that the police across Canada were being issued these new uniforms, and you'll see three or four patrolling down your local areas to get the public used to it. Well, I watched them going down this little village, that I want to have a look at to see if I could find any. And sure enough, there's four cops walking down there, 
like poor models, really all smiling and scrub faces. And what got me was that the general public didn't even give them a second look. They never, they never even noticed. And at the time I thought, I guess it's all these movies they watch with the guys in black that bash down doors and all the rest of it. They're so used to it, they see it in real life. And they, they don't even question it. They, don't, they can't tell the difference from fact and fiction anymore. They're trained, you see. And this is an article here on the next step. Because remember, there's to be urban warfare. All militaries today are trained in urban warfare techniques for what's to come. And I've read the Department of Defense's projection for the next 30, 40 years. Last week I read the United States Army's projection. Same thing. And here you are with, this is Quebec, Canada. It's, um, this this article is from Yahoo News, in fact. It's September the 28th by Siddhartha Benerji, Canadian Press. Montreal, please say the colourful military-style trousers are now sporting. Colourful, colourful, are nothing more than a statement on lagging labour relations with the city. While Quebec's Essential Services Council has said OK to the camouflage combat-style pants for now, and by the way, these are the sort of uh, grey, black, and white pants one. This is urban warfare. It's for city warfare. Uh, it says the camouflage combat style pants for now. A minority relations expert says the choice of garb could prove detrimental with a report due up soon into a fatal police shooting in August of a teenager in the city's north end. For Fo Naimi, co-founder of the Centre for Research Action on Race Relations, says a seemingly innocent pressure tactic could cast police in a soldier of fortune light that will do little to help recently frosty relations between police and some residents. In some communities who have experienced dealing with juntas, the police dress like that. It reinforces the image of the police being a very paramilitary organization, Naimi said. Well, guess what? You see, the police are a paramilitary organization, uh, have you ever seen them marching? They do a lot of marching in Canada, funerals and so on. And you'll see them marching like any other army with uniforms and all the little little award medals and stuff and all the spaghetti around their helmets and hats and all that kind of stuff. They were set up to be, especially in the British Commonwealth countries, a paramilitary force. It says here, and that doesn't bode well for a police force already bracing for the report into the shooting death of 18-year-old Freddy uh, Villanova by Montreal officers, Naimi said. But getting down on the page here, it says, The camouflage drew the, the ire of city officials who took the employees to the Central Services Council last week, saying the pants could be considered threatening. Look, the pants could be said, the cops now can have machine guns but the pants could be considered threatening. Montreal Police Chief Van Delorme warned the trousers could undermine police-citizen relations, adding the pants could incite confrontation and remind some citizens from others, other, other parts of the world about the repression or combat they left behind. Well, see, isn't it amazing? It, it takes immigrants to be scared because they know what guys wearing this kind of stuff do. But the average person here doesn't really care. I mean, here they say it's colourful, they're colourful pants. I guess the boots are too. It says the council ruled the pants don't hinder how police do their jobs. 
Now, here it says, the Montreal Police Brotherhood. Guess what that is, folks? The Montreal Police Brotherhood, which represents the force's 4,800 officers, says officers have been adding accessories to their usual blue uniforms for the past few months without compromising anyone's security. Other police forces have employed... Now, here's what it says. Other police forces have employed the tactic, the tactic... The tactic, you see, that's not happenstance, it's a tactic. In Quebec, without any problems, the Brotherhood says. The jeans, the red caps, or other types of trousers worn by our members have not caused any problems of any kind, said Viz Francoeur, president of the Brotherhood. So he's the president of the Brotherhood, I he's the grandmaster. Brotherhood spokesman Martin Vieux said it is the opposite with officers reporting that the jeans and red caps have helped make police seem less threatening when giving uh, them an in when it comes to dealing with youth. But anyway, you're seeing, again, the militarization, uh, the, open, the open militarization of police. And get used to it, because we're going to see more and more of it. I'm surprised they don't need to mention the black outfits, though, because when, since when do police have to walk around giving parking tickets wearing combat boots with their pants tucked in and black tie shirts and, and all the rest of it with, and leather gloves on and the sunglasses? just like the movies. The movies were showing us to get us used to this before it actually happened in reality with predictive programming. It's quite astonishing that we're trained and we simply accept it when it actually happens. It's amazing. Um, now we've got George from New York. Are you there, George? You th- are you there? Okay. Yeah, you're yeah, pretty. I'm on a pretty. connection, so if I get dropped, you know what happened. But yeah. anyway, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to chem- see you're still kicking, George. Oh, yeah, sure. Well, I mean, I, I want to, uh, uh, you know, there's a site, uh, former, uh, a weatherman, not former, a, a real live weather, uh, meteorologist has up on the Internet. He has a chemtrail alert system. I don't know if you're aware of it. I, I had it on the air last week. Or, or oh, you did? Yeah. I missed it. But anyway, it has clear for New York, and the skies were beautiful, beautiful clouds, and tonight's Rosh Hashanah and tomorrow or our uh, Khazar uh, Jewish buddies, and, uh, you know, as they play Chosen or uh, whatever. And um, so uh, they gave them a nice day, right? They gave them a nice day. Oh, you can give a nice day when they want to, sure. Oh, yeah, sure. I mean, you know, they, 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 I, I can see, because, you know, I'm old enough uh, to uh, remember the way the weather was, you know, <laughs> and the weather is not the way it used to be decades ago. No. No, it's not. It's, but they do give, give, most of the spraying has been, especially the rain, uh, this two and a half months of rain uh, where I am, uh, daily. I had well, June we, had a, we had yeah. a dry period for a while, but it rained in the last few days. Yeah, but yeah. all you have to do is punch into the satellite systems and just look at, at the mush over the bread baskets of Canada and the U.S. They're, they're drowned out this year. It's really frightening. But I'll tell you, the last three months was the worst I've seen uh, in, uh, economically and uh, business-wise in the last four decades on the streets of Manhattan and the whole city. The people don't have any money. No, they're all living maxed out in credit and so on. You know, and, uh, yeah, and uh, they're more than maxed, you know, they just don't have no money. People are yep. all broke. Everything's gone up but our salaries or, or what yep. we get paid or what we make. And then a person like me, we're making even, you're just paying the bills. Yes. Survive. Yeah, well, you're a, you're a taxi driver, right? Well, taxi, limo, whatever you want to call it, you yep. know. And uh, uh, yellow cab, you know, How a black car. How are the tips car. there? How huh? are the tips there now? That will tell you what's happening. 
Well, you know, the good people are generous. There's people who have money. I've always said for years and years and years and years, decades, the other drivers don't get mad at the rich because, you know, there's some wonderful people. They live on Fifth and Park Avenue. They've got loads of money. They spend it well, and, and they're old rich people. There's other ones that are cheapskates who are old rich people. But there's a lot of wonderful people, and, uh, you know, they're, they're the hope because yeah. they're goodwill, huh? They're goodwill, yeah. You know, they have goodwill, and they spread it around, and they're not... There's some of them are newly rich, but some of them are not. They're, de- de- you know, they're generations of uh, money. Yeah. Money goes to money, but they're, they also have compassion. They know. They know the story, and they know something's very, 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 very wrong. Sure. And they are going to this global uh, money system mm-hmm. that you can see coming, huh? Oh, well, absolutely. And, yeah. You know, this derivatives thing is about a thousand tr- uh, 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 trillion dollars, which is mm-hmm. a quad, quad, quad trillion, right? Yeah. It could be that high, and, and, and they're going to take this money, but they voted it down today. It was a good sign, right? Well, uh, the, 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 everything is a drama. Like all you're seeing on TV and, and all these meetings is drama for the public. I like that. that. It's all pre-scripted. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. This election is quite... This is the most interesting one I've seen I, since um, the days when they killed the last leader, JFK, mm-hmm. which was really the the... the the beginning of the battle. You know, if you look at the economic scene, it all went right up the debt after JFK, after they viciously murdered him. But this is the most interesting thing. I think it's all about uh, uh, pro-life with this Palin uh, woman. No, no, it's distractions. It's all distractions. Yeah, of course. Should I hold on? Because I wonder... You hang in there, George, and I'll be back with more after this break. Folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. And we'll go to Jared from New York. Are you there, Jared? Hello? Hello. Hey, Alan, how do you, how do you keep your sanity? Uh, well, you've got to be mad to start with it. If you're <laughs> mad to start with, you can keep your sanity. Yeah, Yeah, man, I just see it all, all around me, all, all, all the time. Yes. And um, yeah, I've been reading um, some of the books that you um, recommended. Um. Right now, I'm reading uh, the name of it. Um, uh, it's by Marshall uh, McLuhan. Yes, yeah, yeah. This guy, man, is really a really intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I, I tell you, he, he lost me in some of the. Um, in, uh, well, well, the, the McLuhan Foundation still goes in Canada, and the whole thing with Marshall McLuhan was he was heavily involved in how people perceive things. Well, that's so interesting to the big boys because that's how they rule us, is through mm-hmm. altering our perceptions. And he goes into that in pretty good detail. Mm. And I noticed that people around me, like, they, they're insane. Like, and, I, and, I, and I see how it's all perceptions, how they just accept everything. Like, yes. The, the slavery. Quest, yeah. I, I, I'm at my job. I'm just like, it's a slavery. You don't even, and they just accept it. Like, it's like the American thing, work hard, you know. And, work hard and lose it all, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. But yeah, it drives me crazy. And um, I heard you talking about, and uh, I think it was Friday. I was listening to your Friday show today, how uh, with the abortion. And and by the way, um, um Obama supports that. The, uh, they call it uh, infanticide. Yeah. And he supports that. And and, and I, I don't know. I, I know some people like like on the internet and stuff. Yeah. They think that like he's the answer, I guess. To um. Oh sure. <laughs> Oh, well, they're all pre-picked at the top anyway. It doesn't matter which one you Yeah, pick. I know. It's just like, oh, 
I, I can't even like everything is just all fake and lies to me. It's a drama. It's a it's a big orchestrated drama. It's a wrestling match. Politics is a wrestling match for the general public. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah, who do you want to vote for, Giant Haystick or, or, or Mountain Man? <laughs> that's all it is. It's a show. Yeah, Yeah. see, that's what I see. See, either communist or fascist and all yeah. this socialist. But yeah, um, I, I just want to ask you another question, too. In, in your book, when you showed um, with uh, John F. Kennedy and, uh, yeah. and Lincoln and yeah. how, like, the, the dates that they died and what they did, it, it seemed like almost... Like, like uh, Kennedy was like born to to die, like that. Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's more to it. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not far off the mark there. Uh, you, they actually set up people's lives in a ritualistic fashion, <laughs> and even the people who come into their lives in a ritualistic fashion, um, and they do play off the occasional drama in front of the world stage, and so these people are sacrificed once in a while. You, you couldn't dream that kind of stuff up. All, all those names, dates, and how they can reverse names and dates and so on, and bring in people from 100 years ago with the same names, connected with the same families, all around the same people. You just can't make that stuff up, but that's the historical truth that's in that page there. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, another book I was reading too was um, by... Uh, George Bernard Shaw, and I, I just, I just like read the beginning. I'm not really, I'm not really sure. What, was he like a H.G. Uh, Wells type of person, or like propagandizing people? Or? It's probably more along the, the same way as H.G. Wells. Most of those guys were handpicked. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I just want to tell everybody to buy your book. Yeah, they should. And buy it from like, cuttingthematrix.com and nowhere else. What <laughs> okay, thanks for calling. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Uh, this is Alan and Amish, Amish the dog, Frontier Canada, saying good night, and your God go with you, all your gods, and uh, stay out that camp stuff that's coming down, or wear masks if you have to, it's not a bad idea these days. Good night.